what was that adjustment like from non-Catholic school to Catholic school? Okay, well, I think one of the biggest things was probably, like, just, like, Jesus. I'm Anne McNamee Keels. And I'm Stephanie Shavera. And this is Lapsed, a podcast about growing up Catholic. Uh, we have a little bit of a different kind of episode today that we're trying out. Yeah. I'm thinking of it sort of as like dispatches from Catholicism. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Like in the real world of real <laughs> Catholic stuff happening What's right happening now. There? Yeah. Yeah, so Steph, I guess we could talk about how we made this episode happen. Sure. I mean, we were both sort of offered to interview these people around the same time. And we thought this could be like really interesting. They're very different perspectives and different Mm -hmm. ends of the spectrum of Catholicism. Uh, A friend of mine has a daughter in Catholic school currently, and she's a wonderful person to talk to. And she was like, hey, do you want to interview my kid? And I was like, absolutely, because Maeve is her name. And she is just, she's a delight to talk to. And I was like, I I want to know what's going on in Catholic school right now. Like, I only know from, what was it, 20 years ago? Right. (laughs) That's my perspective. We have these little kind of throwaway moments where we're like, this is what it was like. And then we're like, it might be different today. I'm not sure. You know, so to talk to a student who's actually in Catholic school today uh is an interesting thing i'm excited to hear hear the interview she's a delight yeah and then i had the chance to talk to katie owens mulcahy who uh is an alum of the catholic high school i attended graduated before me and she recently wrote an article for america magazine the jesuit review entitled my daughters have hard questions about the church are women deacons the answer so yeah kind of uh, around this movement for women deacons in the catholic church which we have touched on a little bit so neither of us have heard the other person's interview yet we're going to listen today and and i'm really yeah i'm pumped great yay let's do it let's start with your interview with mave how old is mave She's 14, so she's just finished her freshman year. Oh, man. Yeah, and she's going to Catholic school in Eastern Ohio. Great. Yeah. Well, let's listen to your interview with Maeve. So I'm Stephanie Shavera, and this is Lapsed, a podcast about growing up Catholic. And today I'm talking with Maeve. Maeve is a 14-year-old living in Northeast Ohio who just completed her freshman year at a Catholic school. She enjoys reading, running, acting, singing, listening to musical theater, and Taylor Swift. Awesome. I love it. Okay. Full disclosure, I know Maeve because I co-direct school plays with her mother. But when I first met Maeve, you were not going to Catholic school. So this is, you just completed your first year at Catholic school, right? Yes, I did. Wow. Okay. What was that adjustment like from non-Catholic school to Catholic school? Okay. Well, I think one of the biggest things was probably like, just like Jesus. (laughs) It was really weird. Like, I I think one of my biggest adjustments was just like, and this happened like also last year when I was first kind of like, um, I did like a shadowing program day where Uh I just followed around a ninth grader. And I was just kind of sinking in like, Wow this is stuff that people actually believe. And like, (laughs) like I remember my teacher, he was teaching like history Uh and he would always, whenever they talked about Jesus in like the history textbook, he would always be like, just, you know, they're going to say he allegedly performed miracles, but we both know, we all know that like he did perform miracles. And so I was like, really, or like whenever he would talk about like lay investiture or like simony and like people buying, like, the, during the Protestant Reformation, how yeah. people were like buying their way into heaven. He was like, but we all know that that's not how you do it. And you can't buy your way into heaven. And I Ooh. was like, oh, wow. <laughs> this would not have happened at my old school. <laughs> yeah. No. So 
you have history class. They talk about Jesus, but because it's history class, not theology class, he has to say allegedly. Well, the textbook says allegedly. He he always says, we all know. So he like cuts out the allegedly. How do you feel about that? Like, are you like, this is a good perspective or is this crazy? What do you think? Um, okay. So I don't know. (laughs) You know what? Let me back up a second. Let's, before we even get to you going to high school, the first question we usually ask our guests is what was the spiritual landscape of your upbringing? So before you've been sent to Catholic school, can you sort of talk about like, what was religion like as part of your childhood was it there was it not there what was it like to grow up as Maeve in your household regarding religion so both of my parents were raised catholic my dad was confirmed my mom was not but they were both raised catholic and now as adults um, my dad is an atheist and my mom is spiritual but not necessarily religious Mm -hmm. so growing up my mom would always take me to a unitarian church close to where i live which unitarianism I don't even know if it's called Unitarianism, but it's Unitarian. And it's essentially like believing in pretty much everything or just like accepting all forms of life and just kind of a community, like that community aspect of church. Mm -hmm. And so I went there when I was younger. um, And I do as like now that I'm kind of a little older, I do recognize myself to be spiritual, but not religious, much Mm -hmm. like my mother. Did you have any Catholic traditions in your house? Um, we celebrated Christmas, but Mm -hmm. not really the religious aspect of Christmas. I think the one time, like we went to like a Catholic Christmas Eve mass one time because my aunt was in town, but Mm -hmm. other than that, like we did not have really any like Catholic traditions. Mm -hmm. Is any of your extended family a practicing Catholic grandparents, aunts, uncles? So my dad's side are for the most part, all Catholic. My dad's parents um, all like my aunts and uncles are all Catholic. So like whenever we would go over their house, they'd always be like, oh, we're going to go to mass for an hour. We'll be back later. So mm-hmm. and as a child, I didn't really recognize what that was. Now that I go to Catholic school, I kind of know like, oh, this is what mass is. But get it. Yeah. <laughs> so did you have any opinions about Catholicism as a kid? Like I'm say, as a kid is before high school. That's what I'm going to refer to this as. <laughs> um, I didn't really have any like strong, strong opinions. Okay. Again, I didn't really know what Catholicism was or like entailed. I only knew like a little bit. I mean, obviously I knew like what, who or who uh, Jesus Christ was or is. I don't (laughs) know. Depends on your beliefs. (laughs) But I didn't really understand the whole, oh, we're going to go to church and Mm -hmm. the body and blood. And like, I didn't really, I was kind of neutral. So I went to, I sort of did the same thing as you. I, I had to go to Sunday school growing mm-hmm. up. I was raised Catholic, but I didn't go to Catholic school until my freshman year. Mm-hmm. That was like a, a huge shift for me. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have to go to religion class? Is that one of your courses? Yes, it's one of our like courses. So we have a class every year, like every, all four years of high school, there's a mandatory religion class. And it's different for every semester. They operate on like a semester by semester class course for the most part, but for the most part, you will have the same teacher for the whole year. They're all mandatory. So going to religion class, I can't imagine it for the first time as a 14 year old. What sort of things are they teaching? Is like the history of religion or is it about like doctrine? So they kind of change it up for every class to my knowledge. I've only had like one class, but for this year, the whole concept was like kind of introduction to Catholicism. Okay. Um, so, but it wasn't like, Oh, like starting from not knowing anything, because everybody in that class pretty much had a basic understanding of what being Catholic meant and what Catholicism was. I was one of the few people that didn't. (laughs) So I was just kind of flying blind. Like we would get these worksheets and they'd be like, oh, um, yeah, I know where Jesus was born. And I'd have to be like sneaking on my Chromebook trying to find where. (laughs) I didn't know. Didn't Um, get that one. But so that was what it was kind of like for the first semester. And then the second semester, they kind of dove more into like the sacraments. And we were learning about the seven sacraments. Mm -hmm. And that was like what we were covering, which was very interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Because I really did not know like anything. But everybody else in my class was like, yeah, I was baptized. I was confirmed. And I was like, I was not. Are you ever jealous? You didn't get confirmed or anything? No. But because I think it's weird. Yeah. What do you think is weird about it? I think it's just like weird that like you dress kids up in white and have them go drink wine 
and like eat bread in a line. And I also think I'd be very nervous if I was confirmed. Yeah. Just because of like the whole like, oh, you're like becoming one with the church forever and always and you'll have babies and get married. And this is all like the starting point of that. And I think it's kind of it's just a lot. It is a lot. Like a lot of expectations. You're very astute. <laughs> so I'm not really jealous. It just is like the certain aspect, like kind of at the start of our unit on like sacraments and everything, we have to fill out this worksheet and it was like a homework assignment and it was like my baptism and you had to like fill out all the information regarding your baptism and I was not baptized you're like I got nothing so I asked my mom about her baptism which I got I was able to slide with that but at the same time I was just like wow like I do not there's just a certain aspect that I'm like not really a part of Mm -hmm. Are there many students in your grade or in your school that are also not Catholic? They may have some understanding, but they weren't really. Um, I think the more that I kind of got into the school and like introduced myself to people, the more people that I like found that were not mm-hmm. Catholic, but there's still like the majority of the school is Catholic, but it wasn't like I was all alone, this lone wolf that was like not baptized and not receiving. Cause the more like you kind of sit in mass and they give you Everybody had to walk up to receive the Eucharist, but you didn't have to do it. You would just have to walk up in a line and like go so that they could keep like the consistency and like not have to like get walk around people. Did the priest like bless you if you didn't take No, it was just um because like the priest didn't do everybody for the Eucharist. Oh. It, was, it was most of most of the time like seniors who were part of like the liturgy crew oh. and everything. Um, but then you would just have to like do some sort of like hand signal. Like a lot of people did like this thing. Right. Yeah, across your arms in front of your chest. That you weren't going to receive it. And that would also just be like if you weren't confirmed. Right. Um, so not, but I would see like so many kids like just not like get receive it. And most of the time it was because they weren't Catholic. They like were just like Christian. Uh-huh. Or they weren't confirmed. But that was like kind of jarring to me when I first I was like, oh, I thought everybody here was Catholic. I bet. I thought I was like the only one. But no, I was not. There was like a ton of kids. Right, because people send their kids to Catholic school for a bunch of different reasons. Yeah, especially because, like, um, the school that I go to is, like, very much, like, heavy on academics and heavy on certain extracurriculars. And it's a very good school to go to. So, like, a lot of people send their kids. Right. Very cool. So, a big question I have uh, Mm -hmm. is what's the uniform expectations? Because this is, like, a point of huge controversy. And I think the thing people remember most when they've gone to Catholic school is, like, we weren't allowed to have even a speck of color or, um, you know, the the skirts had to be a certain length. So what's your uniform situation? Okay. So to my understanding, it used to be a lot stricter, but since like, there's been a lot of like petitioning to like relax the dress code a little Uh from what my understanding is. So you have to pick a polo. The main uniform is a polo and a bottom. So either pants or a skirt. Okay. And girls can wear pants that was a recent development that girls could wear pants but of course boys cannot wear skirts because that would go against god um of course jesus never wore any flowing garments he's never been pictured wearing them and then um the polos are three different colors they're green blue and yellow Mm -hmm. so they are there is a bit of color but at the same time you can't stray from that. Right. And then polos, you've got like the quarter zips, you've got like long sleeve polos, you've got like short sleeve polos. So there's a bit of variation, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's all the same. And then we do actually have dress down days, which I don't we know. Do. I, I didn't get those. No. Oh yeah. So we get dress down days where we're allowed to just wear normal clothes as long as they follow a pretty strict dress codes. Like you can't have, and it's so funny when teachers try to like be like, explain the dress code on dress down days. They're like, okay, <laughs> you have to cover your bottom. You have, if you have a shirt, if you're wearing leggings, you have to have a shirt that covers your oh, bottom. Oh, right. So, leggings. Yeah. If we're, and then um, you can't wear jeans or ripped jeans unless they have, like, unless you have, like, leggings. But I, I know there were some people that got dress coded for oh. having, um, for wearing or ripped jeans, even if they had leggings underneath. Huh. Maybe just, like, where the rips are? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? So that's, like, dress down. How often do you get those? So for the most part, they're like on like spirit days. So like if we have like an assembly okay, or if it's just like a really special day or something. And then in other times it'll be used as like a reward, like 
for if you're on a, a sports team and you've got like an important game mm-hmm. that either that day or the next day, um, then you get the whole team gets to dress down. Okay. For me with theater, the day before the play, we got to dress down. Oh, yes. So that was fun. Did you like dress up in theme with the show or did go not go that far? Okay. No. Well, okay, we did, but we, okay, so we didn't fully dress down. We were mm-hmm. only able to dress up. We got to, for the show that we were doing, we mm-hmm. all had specific like cast shirts for oh, the play as part of a costume. So we got to wear those on top of it. Your camp half-blood shirts? Yes. Nice. <laughs> I didn't know if I was allowed to say that. But yeah. You could say yeah. You could say. She did Percy Jackson. We did the Life of Peace musical, yeah. Any musical theater friends out there? And so we were, doing, we were wearing camp half-blood shirts. Um, and then, but we couldn't change your bottom. So there were some times where we had restrictions on how we right. were allowed to dress down. Or also, we one time we were performing at the Fine Arts Assembly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were allowed to dress down, but it was a dress up. Like, you couldn't wear jeans. You had to wear, like dressy clothes sure. to perform. Okay. So there are certain times where they're like, okay, you have to wear this. You have to do this that. thing. Yeah. Is it nice sort of to wear a uniform, not have to think about what you're wearing or do you feel constrained by it? I do like it. Yeah. Mostly because there's not really that like question of like, oh, everybody kind of has to, like, there's like, or like being not made fun of, but like almost like isolated because of your choice of clothing or like, like that kind of thing. There's also like, you don't have to think about it either, you know, that whole aspect. I know I was mad about it when I had to, but then when I like left for college, it was like, oh my gosh, I have to think about what I have to wear just to go to school. This is exhausting. Like I kind of wished I had a uniform in college. That I do like about it, that aspect. But another thing, I kind of want to pull back on what you said about like the bottoms being too short, uh-huh. like skirts being too short. Yeah. So we get our skirts from a company so we get them order and we go by uniform and we buy them directly online. And that's yeah. like what everybody's told. So everybody has like different styles of skirts. Oh, really? Yeah. Like as long as they're like have the right shade of plaid. Wow. So like you'll see like different styles of skirts. I have two skirts and they're both different styles. They're not necessarily like long, long, but they're like, you know, you'll see like some have have like um, ruffles, some don't. Like, mm-hmm. And some of them even have like different patterns, but they're very close to the pattern. So wow. it's not super noticeable. But yeah, they're pretty relaxed with that. I did hear one, day, this is a funny little story that I heard yeah. when I was walking into school, or I forget even where I was, but I was just like walking past and I heard these two teachers talking about the uniforms. And I guess somebody made a comment. I think it was one of the male teachers made a comment mm-hmm. about how like, oh, the girls have really short skirts. And one of the female teachers who was talking to me was like, yeah, but like, I think it's just because they're so tall that mm. like the skirts just like ride up. And I was like, right. and I thought that was really interesting that like, I don't know. I think it's like real um, interesting how people kind of like have different opinions on skirt mm-hmm. length and why skirts are so short. Cause I know right. that some students, some students do roll up their skirts. Always happened in the history of Catholic school of forever. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. And it's a good point because some people just are have longer thighs than other people. Like, what are you going to do about that? <laughs> like, you can't punish them. Especially when they, they don't distribute the skirts. So they're not right. all the same skirts. So, like, you don't know somebody, like, just bought – you don't know. Maybe they did buy a longer skirt, but it just doesn't right. look long. Yeah. <laughs> you can't know that unless you're really into people's business and no yeah. thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so now that you go there, is there anything about – Catholicism or the culture of Catholicism, not even like the religion itself, but just sort of the surrounding culture that you're drawn to or interested in? Hmm. That's a good question. I think one of my favorite parts of Catholicism is, and like specifically religion class as well, is like reading the scripture and like looking mm-hmm. at all like, because I've always been very interested in life lessons. Yeah. And like life um, just like st- like parables, you know, like yeah. just like um, stories that kind of give an outlook on life. So like when you're reading the Bible for religion class, it's like, oh, I actually kind of like the message in this story. And then they talk about having five wives and I'm like, okay, this is a bit much. <laughs> but I do like that aspect. And then that's also why, like we have this religious retreat at the start of the year, but it was like in the school, it was just in the gymnasium and they had like a group of people come talk okay. to us about Jesus Christ and like being people. <laughs> And at one point, at the end, we had to write letters to Jesus Christ. Oh. And I had, and I was like, okay, I mean, I don't have anything against Jesus as a person. Oh. I think he was a pretty chill dude. So yeah. I wrote that in my letter. I was like, okay, 
dear Jesus, I think you're pretty good. I think you're a pretty good person. I like what you do. I like your message. I like your whole thing about forgiving people and forgiveness and like kind of um, being willing to be better people. I just don't like how people have interpreted that. (laughs) Preach. But that's what I wrote in my letter. And I think that's like the aspect of Catholicism that I do like and appreciate is that the forgiving nature and that, but at the same time with forgiveness comes shame. Mm. And like, if you do break a rule, then like, Oh, you're shunned forever and you can never come back. You can never show your face again. Do you think that has to do with like, you need to get forgiveness from somebody else. It's not about like self forgiveness. Is that what you're. Maybe. I think that's what I, I think that's kind of like the fact that you have to like, Oh, you have to go to a priest and Mm -hmm. the priest has to like determine if you are worthy of forgiveness or something. Yeah. And doesn't really focus on like, Oh, like I feel bad about that. I'm going to do, I'm going to live the rest of my life striving to do better from that. And I think that's another thing. And I, I was learning about this in um, religion class, a little bit about penitentiaries or whatever it's called. And like the books that they used to use for the sacrament of penance mm-hmm. um, that like essentially like put a punishment next to a sin uh-huh. and how it kind of like put a price on a sin and like, Oh, if you just do this real quick, if you do the rosary five times, then you're, you're cured. Right. And I think that is a little, that is an element that I'm like, oh, I don't really like this. Or like, also, I'm kind of all over the place, but just other, like, I'm, I'm fascinated by the sacrament of penance uh-huh. um, and how like, it's like, oh, like, oh, you can be forgiven for this, but you can't be forgiven for this. And it's like, ah, la, la, la. But what really interested me specifically is the baptism by blood. Tell me more. I don't think I even know about this. So baptism by blood, and I forget if it's baptism or I think it's a bit of both because you you can also be like forgiven by having a baptism, but it's like if a person was martyred and they didn't receive forgiveness for their sins, then they automatic or sorry if they were murdered for their belief in Jesus Christ, uh-huh. then they automatically all their like they automatically have repented and receive forgiveness and like receive baptism essentially and i forget if that's a, like oh you are now like confirmed to the church or if it's like a wow i forget what it is but it's like it's asking me because i was like this person could have been horrible right <laughs> but they just said oh i believe in jesus christ and we're killed and now they're a You're saint good. forever and that's also kind of another thing with like when we were researching saints we had to do uh-huh. this report on a saint oh my god they're wild <laughs> And I was looking at this one guy and I was like, oh, this guy seems pretty chill. He's about like, I think he was like a theater person. I was like, oh, I want to do like the God of theater or not God of theater. Oh. <laughs> yes, mythology nerds unite. <laughs> but um, he wasn't Dionysus, but he. Um, <laughs> that would be an interesting saint. Okay. But so saint and I, and then I found out, oh my, oh, I can't say, oh my God. You can. People have <laughs> he, Okay. This okay. Oh my God. Um, he like, um, he he like raped people and i was like oh no like Wait, that's what? I, I forget if that was it he did something the saint he might not have raped people wow he might have like killed someone or not killed some like he might have like well, have killed people, so i don't know anything could happen i don't know what he did but he did something really crazy that i i erased my sheet i reached i erased all my worksheet that i had done and i was like i'm gonna find somebody else to do my report about because i'm not gonna I have to look this up right now. Saint of theater. I don't forget if it was theater. I forget what it was. It was like a guy saint. Is it Genesius? No, it was somebody else. Okay. That's the patron saint of actor. Like, I don't know. It was patron. I forget what he did, but he like did. I think it was like, he might've like converted native Americans or something. Oh, this, that sounds like a winner right there. (laughs) I don't know what he did. He like did something and he was really problematic. That happens. You don't want to look too deeply. But just the idea like, oh, you can just die for Jesus Christ and suddenly you're amazing and you did all this. And you're good. You're baptized by blood. All is forgiven. When you're in class and mm-hmm. the teacher's talking about this or miracles or something else that in your head, you're just like, I don't like this or this isn't real. Like, do you speak up? Do you like, how do you deal with that in class? Um, I, this is no judgment about what you do. I'm just curious. I typically don't speak up in class just because I don't want to be like seen as different or seen as like weird. I think that's what a lot of my like classmates have done. They really don't speak up a lot, but I think one of the major, like 
So the last sacrament we covered was the sacrament of matrimony, which is a hot subject in the Catholic Church. Oh, my. Because yes. of the concept of a homosexual marriage. Yep. <laughs> but so, like, our textbook actually was like, um, it was so funny. It was like, oh, you may have heard that the media is pushing that um, marriage can also be between two men and two women. But in the Catholic Church, that's not true. Marriage is between one man and one woman. Whoa. Because you have to be able to procreate because marriage is also the process of like being open to life. Right. But so the, we watched a video that also essentially said this at the end, they just kind of squeezed it in at the end. They were like, also marriage is between one man and one woman and the media is wrong. The media. Jeez. And so at the end of the video, our teacher like raised or not raised her hand. She was like, okay, any questions? <laughs> and I was like, I was thinking back to the lesson Yes, that we had the day before. Uh-huh. Also kind of talking about like, oh, you have to kind of be open to life. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be open to life if you get married in a Catholic church. One girl like raised her hand and was like, hey, so if a woman or a man, she, she said woman, if a woman's mm-hmm. like infertile and can't have children, does that mean she can't get married in the Catholic church? Good question. And then the teacher said, yes, she can still get married. Oh. Because you can also get, um, you can always adopt, you can always oh. like do all that stuff. So that's fine. But of course, the thing that they were saying in this video about gay marriage was that, oh, they can't get married. God loves the gays. But <laughs> I think that's pretty much what they said, or God loves homosexuals. Something along that time. But, but they can't get married. They can't marry because they can't have children. And, at the, and so I was like, I'm going to raise my hand and say, Hey, but you just said yesterday that if somebody is infertile, they can still get married because they can adopt. But like, why can't, so why can't gay people get married? Because they can still adopt. Pretty good question. But before I could raise my hand, she thought that question sit for two seconds. And then she was like, moving right along. Here's some review packets for the chapter. Uh, And I could tell it's because she knew what was coming. Yes. So you didn't get to have that particular conversation. Yes. Yes. Got it. But I really wanted to, but then I was just like, you know what? I wanted to at the end of class, but then I was like, I'm going to be late to algebra. So I don't really. <laughs> there are priorities. So I don't want to. Yeah. But I, right. I, I really would have liked to hear her response on that. Cause she is yeah. very good at like keeping the peace and being kind of neutral. Right. But I was just like, what, what really would be your response to that? Right. And I think that's one of my biggest issues with the Catholic Church and what I've kind of learned from like going to the Catholic school is just the hypocrisy and the mm-hmm. kind of cherry picking of what you're going to believe or what you're going to preach or what you're going to say mm-hmm. and what you're going to believe. But it's like, right. I don't know. It, you ha- Well, because if you did everything right, you, you could have those five wives that you mentioned mm-hmm. early. Like, so, but people are like, well, no, that's not okay. But this part you do have to follow. So it is a lot of cherry picking. And I get that. It is. I'll be interested. Yeah. If you ever do have that conversation, you'll have to let me know how it goes. Cause I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to, because I don't think any of the other religion teachers would ever be that chill. Oh, really? I've been talking to others, to some sophomores, but I'm going to be a sophomore next year. Yes. About what the sophomore religion teacher is like. And I've mm-hmm. heard that she's, she likes to pick favorites. So. <laughs> Well, you're a very good student. You could be a favorite. I will just try to make her mad. <laughs> I'll there just try to make her mad. Um, I'm not encouraging you to get in trouble. I just want to put that on the record. I'm just curious because when you have your own way of seeing the world, which I know that you do, because mm-hmm. I've been with you to some yes. protests and marches and things like that. So I know that what, some of your belief system mm-hmm. um, and how that could come into conflict with the church. So it's just interesting to see how you're going to navigate that the next few years. It'll be cool. Is there anything like now that you're a Catholic school girl, mm-hmm. like you are officially like, the stereotype? Uh, you are you are an archetype, I should say, the Catholic I'm... school girl. <laughs> Is it... Yeah, you're so pious. A nombre, so... Del, a nombre del Padre del Hijo, hijo and del Espíritu Santo. <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing your prayers in Spanish now. Yeah, we have to do. You have to pray before every class. So in Spanish, we pray in Spanish. So, you have to pray before every class? I never had to do that. Yeah. I mean, not every teacher does it, but, like, we're supposed to. Wow. We're supposed to. I think for most – I think most of my teachers do it, so. Okay. Yeah. We get up out of our seats, and we're, like – and, like, there's a cross, you know, in every classroom, so we look at the cross, and then we, we do the thing, so. Wow. We also did a 
in our Spanish class, we had to memorize the Padre Nuestro, which is the Our Father in Spanish. Uh-huh. And it was, like, for a grade. We had to, like, do a test. Like, it was, like, a vocal yeah. exam on, like, which is, like, I get partially. Like, that's kind of, like, one of the classes where it kind of does make sense a little bit. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's also, like, oh. <laughs> uh. I want to get graded on this. Yeah. What do you think about, like, going to Catholic school is, like, going to help you with, like, as you go out into the world after Catholic school? What do you think it's going to have given you? I think it kind of gives me a new understanding of, like, how people live their lives. It also gives me a bit of, like, some leniency to people in certain areas of, like, okay, okay maybe, maybe you're not the best person. <laughs> but I'm still going to try and be nice to you. That's very nice. Also, like, it gives me a bit more of a, like, a, like a different perspective. Or I think I already said different perspective, but it gives me, like, a chance to, like, interact with people who are different than me and kind of gain, gain like, what the Catholic view of life. And, like, uh, and like it also gives me, like, honestly, when I, I feel like a little spy gathering intel. <laughs> like, okay, I can use this to argue this. And I can, ah. like, this goes against this. And this, like, so I kind of, like, know more than just somebody who's, like, never... Who, like, who I was before I started school. Not saying that I was a different person, but, you know, yeah. like... We're always growing. Yes. Um, but, like, I didn't know anything. I didn't have any opinions on Catholicism. I mean, I did for a certain extent, but, like... Right. You know, like, I didn't really have any, like, knowledge on, like, specifically what Catholicism is. And now that I do, I'm like, oh, this... Like, all these new beliefs are do not go... Like, go with the original right. teachings. And, like, I actually do have some understanding that I can use. Yeah. To like talk to people and I can be like oh but like funny you say that because I went to Catholic school and I learned right. something entirely different like yeah you have sort of a uh what it's a word for, I can't think of like cachet amongst yeah. people you would normally have a little expertise uh-huh. I like that very cool yes the reason we do the podcast is like even though Anne and I no longer go to church or she goes to a different church um but I don't practice any particular religion Mm -hmm. um we but we still talk about how like it's once you're catholic you're kind of always catholic like it's really hard to get out of it in terms of how it frames your worldview yeah Um, even if it's in a rebellion against Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. it's going to give you but is there a way like it's helping you see the world or a way you don't like that it's helping you see the world i don't know it's hard as a visitor to the religion uh not that I can think of right now, but I'm sure, okay, I'm going to think about this for a second. Okay, think about it. Take a second. So, mm. maybe not. It's okay. Not. I think it will, but I think I just haven't realized it yet. Sure. I think there is maybe a certain aspect of, like, maybe, like, judginess, possibly. Oh. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like yeah. when I, maybe when I look at people, it's like, but I don't know, because I feel like I'm not, I don't know if I'm judging you. Like, I don't. But, like, I feel like there will be something that I... There will be something. Well, if we're still doing this podcast in three years, I'm going to do a follow-up interview with you upon graduation, okay. and you're going to tell okay. me. Okay. We're okay, I will. I'll be okay, thinking great. about it all through the three years. I'll be thinking, like, what am I going to tell Miss Stephanie? What am That's I going right. to I need to know. I need to know. Uh, I mean, you're already at a... I mean, it's a great school. I wasn't even really allowed to have theater at my Catholic school because... It was a scandalous yeah. thing. So, oh, that's really interesting. You have a pretty good program and mm-hmm. great opportunities there. Me so, too. I know you're a great education, which is awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much. I, that time thank flew you. by. That was the fastest <laughs> so 36 minutes. So, so says my recording timer that I've had. You are uh, always a joy to talk to, Maeve. Thank you. And I really, really hope this, this podcast is still going because I really want a follow up episode with you. Thank you. <laughs> really fun all right well that's all for us today so again thanks Maeve and thank you so much have a good summer thank you you too oh my gosh I love (laughs) Maeve she's a I tell you I, I yeah I could talk to her all day she's great I'm trying to put myself back in like freshman year of high school and I just I was definitely not that articulate not that thoughtful about things I it's very impressive she's she's a extraordinary young lady I really enjoyed talking to her that's why I wanted to have her on the podcast and I love that she wanted to I think if someone had asked me at 14 of course I wouldn't have known what a podcast was 
mid nineties. What about time travel? Very complicated. Very weird. <laughs> but I'm like, uh, what do I have to say? I don't want to say right. anything. I'm just a yeah. 14 year old. And no. she. Well, and her perspective as someone who is new to it is also yeah. really great. The part where she said dress kids in white and make them drink wine is my favorite description of communion I've ever heard. She's like, this is really weird. Good. There's, it is weird. <laughs> It brought back, I feel like she brought back many memories. I had forgotten about dress down days. I didn't have which those. It sounds like, yeah, you didn't have them. We definitely did. But it was so, even at at my elementary school and at my high school, there was so much pressure on a dress down day to think, especially at my elementary school. I felt like I was always trying to like make a statement. Yeah. It would be like, I don't know. It's your opportunity to shine. Yes. Yeah. Like, what am I going to wear? And then actually in high school, I feel like it started out that way. And then it sort of by senior year, you're all just basically wearing pajamas and we kind of get in trouble for wearing pajamas because yeah. we are like, no, these are clothes. What are you talking about? But they were pajamas. They were pajamas. Um, <laughs> I get it. You want to roll out of bed and go to school and that's great. School starts so early. <laughs> oh man. Especially when you're a teenager and you just want to sleep. So early. But I, if we are doing this podcast in three years, I really do want to have her back and for sure find out what the end of high school has wrought. Me too. And I feel like it'd be interesting for her to listen. She'll have this to listen back oh, to. Oh, yeah. Have that time capsule. I guess the the young people these days have that because they're social media. But it's like, True. I, it's so interesting to look back at yourself in that way. I'm sort of glad that doesn't exist for me because I feel like I just cringe through all of it. Oh, uh, yeah, I would not have handled it. But of course, she will probably handle it with the grace that she handles almost everything. I think so. she will, should be very impressed. Her her adult self, I imagine, will be very impressed with her 14-year-old self because she's so. Like, so articulate and mm-hmm. smart. And yeah, she might be the, a new host. I don't know. She might. The, you know, over. she can sub if one of us is ever sick. Yeah, all the like she's talking about cast shirt day. Like, oh my gosh, we get to wear our cast shirt of the musical, but we have to wear a uniform skirt. That was like a thing. Did you do that? No, you, you oh, had no. like secret theater. The secret you theater. Had, yeah. Not allowed. Also, it's it's interesting to me. You said you did not pray before every class. We pretty much no. did pray before every class. Yeah. I was up no. to the teacher, but um, it's mostly we do like special intentions and people would pray for people in their lives and. Yeah. Every class is wild. Almost every class, yeah. I sometimes feel like my Catholic school was not a real <laughs> You went to fake Catholic school. It was a front. It was like they were laundering religion. I don't know. But yeah, so it's, it was fascinating to hear what has changed, how much has not changed. Yeah. Uh, how she's navigating being different in her environment. Um it all very yeah. fascinating how they're talking yeah. about queerness like just made me sad because i'm like i in like today that is still mm-hmm. the conversation that's happening in catholic schools it's like and so blatantly hypocritical of mm-hmm. the way she very quickly catches on to she, totally and i'm sure she's not the only one i know she has this outside perspective as someone who didn't grow up in the church but still like yeah yeah Whew. well okay it was great. I was so I'm so glad you got to interview May. Thank you. Maeve. Now let's hear about, like a different source now for something completely different. Completely different. Say. Although I would say like so um I interviewed Katie Owens Mulcahy and she does talk a good bit. She is not herself a Gen Z or she's an adult woman <laughs> with but she has um teenage children. So she does end up talking a lot about Gen Z and about So Gen like, Z's the theme. Maybe that's gotta be in the title somewhere. It is. Maybe that okay, maybe worth it rethinking our title because it's we're kind of all talking about Gen Z <laughs> a little bit. Um I'll give you a little background on Katie. Okay. Katie Mulcahy is a Chicago-based volunteer organizer for Discerning Deacons, a grassroots organization whose mission is to engage Catholics in the active discernment of women in the diaconate. Um, Something I realize I do not cover when I talk to Katie is what a deacon is. Mm. Did you you have deacons? We did. Do you know what a deacon is? (laughs) They're men in, in the Catholic Church. They're men. They get to read the first or second reading, I believe. I think I get to read the gospel because lay people can read the first or second reading. I think de- uh, deacons can read the gospel, which is okay. I don't know. I, limits for lay people. Yeah, I feel like they just get to do. They get to do. They get to give communion too. 
Lay people can yeah, give communion. Lay people so. can. Yeah, they can even do – I was looking it up a little bit. They can do things like – like they can do baptisms. Actually, like my cousin's son, a deacon, did the baptism, which I actually thought was nice because like he was a dad. Oh. <laughs> so he could speak to parenthood in this different way. That yeah. You know, I was like, oh, I kind of – I felt like he had this – or he was just like really good with the kids there because he was a dad, you know? So – um they get to be up there during mass. They get to be up during mass and like concelebrating. They can't like do a mass on their own, I don't think, but they can do a lot of extra stuff. Are they like adult altar boys? <laughs> I mean, like personality-wise, yes, I think. <laughs> okay. Uh, sometimes uh, I'm like I know nothing. Okay. Because I think on. adults can serve as altar servers still, which is also, yeah, like, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Or trained as children or whatever. I don't know. Right. Uh, deacons get, they're not full priests, but they get to do a lot of the things that priests can do in the Catholic Church. And so, and this is also not a thing I covered, but I feel like there's, I feel like maybe for some people, women being able to be deacons is like the, just all they're looking for. But I feel like for a lot of people, it's sort of like a step a step toward getting having women be priests um okay so yeah uh let's listen in on my interview with katie mulcahy well katie thank you so much for having this conversation today i'm so excited to talk to you Thank you for inviting me, and I'm so happy to be here and to speak to you as well. So, Lapsed, as you know, it's a podcast about growing up Catholic. So we we love to start there. If you could give us a little bit uh, of an overview of your own, what that looked like for you growing up Catholic. Sure, um, I'd be happy to. So I was raised in a very typical Irish Catholic family on the south side of Chicago. Same. <laughs> oh, right, right. I'm the youngest of five. Uh, I attended mass every Sunday with my family until I became a a rebellious teenager. And then I started to say I was going to mass, but I would really just grab a bulletin and go drive around with my friends. Oh, man. (laughs) Did you ever do that? (laughs) Then I got busted. My mom started, you know, catching on and she'd ask me, well, who, you know, who, who presided over the mass and what was the homily about? So, um, so yeah, uh, I realized it was just as easy to go and you know, um, spend that hour. (laughs) So growing up, I had two very different uh, faith formation experiences. Uh, Grade school was very traditional. From kindergarten to eighth grade, I went to a Catholic school. The nuns wore full habits that were brown. Mm -hmm. They were pretty stern. I recall several of my teachers refused to call me by my given name, Katie, because they said that wasn't uh, a saint's name. Uh, So I was called Catherine for many years, you know, I guess it became kind of normalized. And then I started responding, but I always uh, felt like that was, that was really an odd thing. Yeah. Then I got to my high school experience and I had a vastly different experience there. I went to an all girls uh, liberal arts high school and the the nuns there, Mercy Sisters, are mm-hmm. known for strong leadership and also social justice. Yeah. And I just love that experience because, you know, the, the nuns were not wearing the habits. They were, you know, wearing sports clothes. They were going to our games and our plays. And I just felt really like more connected. And I, what I loved is this class called Her Story. And it was looking at women in the Bible through a women's perspective. And it just, I really felt more connected to my faith. Um, And that experience really was very formative for my Catholic, but also my feminist identity. I love being surrounded by really strong, intelligent female leaders. Yeah. I love that. Um, So you and I attended the same all girls Catholic high school. Okay. All right. (laughs) I'm guessing since you you have older kids than I do that you were there a little before I was. Yeah, that's interesting. I have you know I had a very similar experience. I would say we don't have we didn't have a ton. I guess I I went to a couple different grammar schools, uh, Catholic grammar schools, and yeah. the the difference in nuns that you describe is something that I also uh, experienced. Uh, I would say yeah, the Sisters of Mercy are for those of us who have one idea of what a nun is, it is a shift, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. I don't remember. Maybe the her story was not around by the time I was there. Although I do remember 
I think it was sophomore year theology when we were really looking at the Bible, I remember noticing that we were really homing in on on the verses that had to do with women in the Bible or even yeah. I remember that's the first time I was made aware that God is described in feminine language in some places in yes. the Bible. Yes. I remember that being a real, uh, really deliberate on the the part of the teacher and being like, oh, I, I had no idea. This isn't something I have heard about. So Right. Yes. And did you also, um, sometimes when we would say the um, the Lord's Prayer, we would say our creator instead of our father. Did you do that? I'm trying to remember. I remember using instead of for the sign of the cross saying instead of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we had the option to say creator, redeemer, sustainer of life. Oh uh-huh. yes, yes. Oh wow, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yes. Did you did really you do cool. that to that one too? You, you just brought back a memory <laughs> for me that I had um, so long ago. You unlocked that, so thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that was my first introduction of like what it means to be inclusive in your language. Um, yeah. And and to me that that really stayed with me. And I would say I a third really formative faith experience that I had was actually just kind of in recent years where I. Uh, discovered the Discerning Deacons movement, um, which actively engages Catholics in the conversation around restoring women to the diaconate. Um, And so here I have found a community of faithful women who deeply care about the future of our church. So so those, I would say, those main experiences have really formed um, me as a Catholic. You're touching on something too that's just making me think of like, you know, priests, and deacons currently are all men. But when I think of my Catholic yeah. upbringing, so much of what I think about is women, right? It was yeah. women in my family taking me to church, my mom and my grandma. It was almost exclusively, I'm trying to think if I, it wasn't until high school that I had any male teachers. I had nuns yeah. and lay women. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's just, it, it is such a funny thing because of course, like, it's not like my Catholic upbringing was devoid of women. If anything, it was like right. mostly women, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's really clear that women are the backbone of the church, right? Mm-hmm. Women are bringing children, uh, their families to mass. They are participating in liturgies. Um, they're reaching out to people on the margins. So I, I think that that needs to be recognized more, right? Yeah. So you recently wrote an article uh, entitled, mm-hmm. My Daughters Have Hard Questions About the Church. Are Women Deacons the Answer in um, America? The Jesuit Review, which is a publication that we <laughs> that we mention pretty often. They There's some articles that come up that we often are mentioning yeah. when we're talking about um, Catholicism yeah. in the news. Can you talk a little bit about that? How I know for me, my thinking, and I have two little boys um, who yeah. are still pretty young. But my thinking about so many things or my approach to so many things has really shifted as I've had kids um, in ways I did not expect, including religion. Uh, I'm wondering, what was that like for you? And how how did your thinking about the church shift when you had daughters? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, me too. I feel like it's so interesting. Once you have children, you start seeing everything through their eyes. Mm -hmm. And I have three teenage daughters and a teenage son. And my husband and I wanted to raise them in the Catholic Church since we both benefited from the tradition, the structure, and the community of organized religion. And we also have always tried from an early age to instill in them the values of compassion towards others, inclusion, and in in critical thinking. Mm -hmm. And here's my disclaimer. If you raise your kids to be critical thinkers, watch out, because then they will use that skill against you and start asking you those <laughs> difficult questions, right? That is very true. And I already know that as a, with a four and an eight-year-old. Yes. Yes, right. <laughs> so as our kids got older, they started asking questions like, if God loves us all unconditionally, then why doesn't the church? Why does the church judge? And aren't women and girls also made in the image and likeness of Christ? And this is a question that stopped me in my tracks. I have a 19-year-old daughter who uh, studies political science. And she Mm -hmm. said, if a society values one group over another, doesn't that leave the second group open to oppression, which we see happening over and over in society, right? Mm -hmm. So these are are really tough questions. And I grapple with them. And Gen Z, oh, I just love this generation because they are all about social justice and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And it's not okay for them to leave whole groups of people out. And to be honest, I do worry that there is a growing chasm between the institutional church and young people. Mm -hmm. I feel the same about this generation. I think they're pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. 
I even found that I think I experienced that as a high schooler, you know, I think Mm -hmm. those were conversations happening even among my peers, not as much as as Gen Z, but you know, um, I think that's real. And, and like you said, we are raising critical thinkers, and we're raising kids to be compassionate and Mm -hmm. to value social justice. Certainly at my Catholic high school, I think that was a message. And so, you know, kids are connecting those dots and asking really important questions. That's right. So for listeners who are unfamiliar, and I will say, you know, we this podcast is called Lapsed. So mm-hmm. <laughs> probably a little bit different of an audience than America Magazine. Uh, definitely a smaller audience than America Magazine. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to inflate my ego. Um, yeah. But, you know, we so my co-host Stephanie and I are are lapsed Catholics. Uh, mm-hmm. and, as far, you know, in, in sort of the definition of what that looks like. Neither of us attend Catholic mass regularly anymore. Yeah. I would say our listenership, from what we've heard, we have we have a lot of lapsed Catholic Catholics. We do have folks that maybe identify as like cafeteria Catholics. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have listeners who are raising their kids Catholic, or even who teach at Catholic schools. So we do have listeners, I think, who are active in the church. We kind of have definitely plenty of listeners who have um, family who's very active in the church, and you know have a relationship with the church in that way. So for listeners who are unfamiliar, can you? I I know you have given the caveat that you are a volunteer in this movement and you are not the leader. You're not trying to speak for the leadership, but the just talk a little bit about the movement for women deacons as you understand it in the Catholic church. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm definitely no expert, but, and I'm still learning about diaconate and Mm -hmm. synod and discernment. I didn't learn about those concepts in, in my, uh, parochial schools. Me neither. Actually, when the synod started being a big deal in the news, I had to Google how to say it so that I could say it on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That's right. I still question myself every time I say it. Did I say that correctly? Right. I don't know. I've heard it many different ways, so I, I think it's all good. So I'll try my best to share what I have learned so far. So back in 2021, Pope Francis asked Catholics around the world to engage in this synodal journey to listen and discuss with one another our hopes and dreams for the Catholic Church. And then all of that uh, feedback was compiled into a document called Enlarge the Space of Your Tent, of Our Tent, uh, because some clear themes emerge, especially around inclusion and bringing more people in. And an area that really stood out was around rethinking women's participation in the church, particularly around uh, women's leadership women preaching, and becoming ordained deacons. And history tells us that there were women deacons, such as St. Phoebe, in the early church. And that's why we use the phrase, we want to restore women to the diaconate, Mm. because there once were women who served their communities in various forms of ministry. Mm -hmm. So here is some exciting news. We are living in a historic moment in the life of this 2,000-year-old church. As a result of the synodal process, the Vatican announced uh, a few months ago that for the first time ever, women will be included in the vote in the Synod of Bishops in this coming October. And this is such an important inflection point because with representation of women, more voices will be heard, which could lead to a more vibrant, inclusive, and engaging church. Mm -hmm. So it it is, you know, of course, change in movement doesn't happen as quickly as we would like it to happen. Mm-hmm. But for for the, the church that's been around for so long, um, this is pretty historic. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. I think it is exciting for a lot of women um, in the church yeah. or who have left the church and had these mm-hmm. questions. Yeah, it's hopeful, right? It is. And something that comes up for Stephanie and me so often, as I mentioned, we are definitely lapsed Catholics. But, you know, for me, so I now, I've mentioned this, I attend a Methodist church, although Stephanie jokes that I'm lapsed twice because I don't attend enough, (laughs) but I I definitely attend and I love the community. And I, I, um, I have to say the first time Methodists do, one of the things I like about it is they do, the service has the same, similar structure. They do communion every time, which like isn't always the case for all uh, Mm -hmm. Protestants. And the minister, there are several women. The first time I heard a woman do the consecration, I was surprised at like how emotional I got. Oh, yeah. Because I had never heard that. I'd never seen yeah. that before. Yeah. Mm. It didn't occur to me how big of a deal that would feel until I saw it, you know? Right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so I guess the question, I mean, have you had people say to you like, well, why don't you, why don't you become Episcopal? I feel like this is what a lot of... <laughs> 
a lot of more progressive women in the Catholic Church here. Like they're basically doing the same thing, except they're you know feminist yeah. and LGBTQ inclusive. Like why aren't you? Why right. don't you just convert? Like what do you? What are the things yeah. that keep you rooted to the Catholic Church, and what keeps you in instead of saying, you know what? Like I'm out. My values are different. That is such a good question, Anne. And I have asked myself that. Um, yeah. Several times. I too have had times when I question my faith or my place in the Catholic Church. I am really fortunate to be in relationships with so many women and men who are living the Gospels out loud by reaching out to people on the margins. And that is where I find my church community, Mm -hmm. not in the doctrine or the institution or sometimes even the four walls, but in the community with people doing the work. Mm -hmm. Take, for instance, my friends who are mercy nuns, Sister Pat and Sister Joanne, they are these little badass nuns, 90 years old, <laughs> and they have been providing dignified care to refugees and detained mm. immigrants for decades. And they even, they've gotten arrested uh, in, at the D.C. Capitol numerous times mm-hmm. protesting inhumane conditions and bad policy. As a side note, could you imagine being the officer who has to put handcuffs on a nine-year-old nun? Also, the, I mean, I, the percentage of officers who were raised Catholic, so I... Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Um, so, yeah, so these, these nuns, they don't stop. So they're, to me, like living out the Gospels. And so I look to them as role models. And I also look to um, priests such as Father Dave Kelly, and he is here in Chicago, and he facilitates restorative justice peace circles in neighborhoods plagued by gang violence. And he also started a community garden and keeps bees. And he does all of this with joy. So that is church to me. Um, And recently, like I said, I found this welcoming community of faithful women in the discerning deacons movement. And this is the church I want to be a part of on the margins in community, working together for a more loving and just world. And I've kind of always been someone who you know, if I see something unjust, I I want to stay and kind of be an agent of change from within. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I, you know, that is my hope for myself and to be that role model for my children, um, you know, to stay and, and try to make change where it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something Stephanie are, and I are just constantly coming back to and are very interested in because we both, you know, we are both people who kind of wandered away from the church because a lot of it didn't align with our values but you know like vatican ii would never have happened if there weren't people who believed that that the change should happen to better align with the values of the church you know so like if every if i've if all the people who think there should be change should just leave nothing would ever change like in almost every institution you know yes yeah absolutely this it's this tension constantly that Mm -hmm. I think about it. I'm just so curious about. Um, It's funny because we have a joke on the podcast that it's called Laps, a podcast about growing up Catholic. And we end up interviewing so many people who are not lapsed and or didn't grow up Catholic. (laughs) But I think the common thread is it is often people somehow in the margins of the church Mm -hmm. um, who are, you know, who find each other too and are doing this really interesting and often incredible work. So um, Yeah. 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 So what are, you know, as someone who is sort of um, advocating for change, who is kind of living by your own values, who's, it sounds like having these conversations with your daughters and with young people in your life, what are your hopes for the, for the Catholic mm-hmm. Church going forward? Yeah, I, um, oh, and I, my hope, my wish, my prayer would be that the hierarchy of the church would just stop and ask themselves more often, what would Jesus do, mm-hmm. Right. The Gospels are chock full of stories about Jesus serving and lifting up people on the margins. And when I think about who is on the margins and who is being oppressed today, I think about immigrants, refugees, LGBTQ community, Black and Indigenous people, and women. And I think Jesus would invite them all in. And that's why I look to people living the Gospel out loud. And that's how I experience Jesus. And that, in turn, strengthens my faith. So what gives me hope is being on the synodal journey, okay? I think this is a great start. And I think that the church is capable of change and connecting with young people and women and other communities that have been left behind. My hope is that we continue to not only ask how we can enlarge the space of our tent, but actually do it. Um, And I really do think, I believe in Gen Z. I believe that, you know, my faith tells me that change is possible. Mm -hmm. And um, I am, I'm, I'm hopeful 
uh, for the future of the church. I really am. That's great to hear. And sometimes I like I try to be hopeful, but sometimes I feel like I can I can fall away from that. <laughs> so it is helpful to hear yeah. other people who are actually in the work feeling hopeful about something like that. Um, so yeah. I really appreciate you sharing. Well, thank you. If we have listeners who are interested in this movement, like where should they be going in the movement for oh, women deacons? Yeah, um, Discerning Deacons um, has okay. a great website, and um, we are actually celebrating in September. It's the month of Saint Phoebe, who was, as I had mentioned, uh, the first female deacon. Um, so, in the month of September, we are going to be just celebrating women's gifts for ministry, and you know, reaching up, praying to Saint Phoebe for a synodal church, and you know, for for women to become deacons, for women to, you know, have more um, representation in the church. So that is the church that I would love to see. I'd love to go to, to mass on a Sunday and hear a woman preaching and mm-hmm. seeing my life reflected in, in those gospels. So yeah, check out discerningdeacons.org and um, lots of great information there. Great. Thank you. Um, well, thanks so much for talking with us, Katie. Oh, thank you, Anne. It was my pleasure. Okay, and there's first forgetting, I'm just like so jealous of how many nuns she's gotten to know. <laughs> she's friends with a bunch of nuns. She's friends with like elderly nuns who get arrested. That's the coolest. I think I've actually seen news in um news articles about those particular nuns because Sisters of Mercy. I feel like I really got cheated on my time in the Catholic Church being nunless. So skimpy on nuns, yeah. <laughs> It's it sounds fair. like she's in her, she has, uh, yeah, a history and a current life of like way more nuns than I ever had. But she does make it sound fun and cool, right? To have nuns, right? Though. Well, some of the nuns, um, sure, some, right? Those first nuns, I don't know no. about that. But. The ones with the Mercy Sisters without habits who watch the plays and come to the sports games—they're the fun ones. Love it, sort of. There's like the Sister Act nuns. <laughs> They do love the sister. In high school, the nuns loved this loved sister. We watched it one day in music class. Oh my god, watching Sister Act with nuns? That's like a dream. It, okay. Do you know they're coming out with a new one? That's some current events. There's there's Yes, Act I have heard something. about it. We should do like a watch party or something. I'm, gonna, I'm so excited. Have to. Have to. Have to. Um, okay, back to Katie. <laughs> right. But it was it is really interesting. And I'm really glad you dug into the whole like why don't you just leave aspect like why try to change it uh because it is something that just like nags at me and so she had a really thoughtful response and I'm just really I was really grateful for the thought that she's put into it and it just sounds like she's still very much on a journey Mm -hmm. but yeah putting in the the good work while you can because you know someone's got to I'm not doing it it. I'm not I mean clearly I'm I'm not there no yeah, yeah. I I also appreciated her answer to that. I was also thinking about it because she, you know, she went to the same high school I did, and she grew up in this weird world that I've talked so about weird. that's super Catholic, yeah. and still lives there. And so I was thinking, I was like, that is a different question for someone living there whose like whole life is social life and family probably is all there because where I live now, like. It is like you go to the Catholic church or you could go down the street to the Episcopal church or the, you know, the mm-hmm. Methodist church or whatever, the Unitarian. But like that doesn't that doesn't exist on the Southwest. Side. There is no there, there's no Episcopal church down the street. It's Catholic or bust. There's a couple Protestant churches, but they're like few and far between and no one really understands what goes on there or even notices the church. I feel like. <laughs> I feel like there was like, do you ever try to look up a like a house or something on Google Maps and it's like blurred out for some reason? And you're yes, like, I feel like that was like <laughs> in my vision as a child walking past a a, a uh, Protestant, Protestant church. Like it didn't even exist. <laughs> like it was easily covered in my vision. Like I didn't even. I love it. I didn't. It didn't register in my brain. So yeah, it's a different thing. I think when your whole social world is it's all Catholic. Yeah, and I feel like then your investment is a little different too. You feel like mm-hmm. okay, it is my responsibility to. It's really to- part of your community and legacy. Yeah, I feel like we could do a whole spinoff series about like parenting while questioning religion. Parenting while Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, parenting and religion would be an interesting. Other, I don't have time for another podcast stuff, but that no, would be- no, no. <laughs> 
Well, and it's interesting because when we started this podcast, you were not yet a parent, and now you are, and that yeah, it's an ongoing theme for us. I think it's very funny. A, a cousin of ours just got their child baptized in, I believe, in the Lutheran church. I'm not even fully sure, but so the child is baptized, but they chose not to have godparents. Mm-hmm. And we've picked godparents for our child, but chosen not to have him baptized. So it's all kind of chaos. It feels <laughs> Whoever like. Whoever you want to do it. Yeah. For our collection basket, I thought in lieu of a collection basket, we brought this up last time. I'm going to bring it up again. There is a big grassroots movement in Chicago right now to support mm-hmm. refugees, mostly from yes. Venezuela. And there's an Amazon wish list that's just kind of created by um, volunteers in the community. So I'm just going to put that in our show notes. That's great. People can just buy things that are needed. Yeah. Very needed right now. Great. All right. Well, thanks, Steph, for sharing your interview with Maeve. Thank you for sharing your interview with Kate. Steph, and also with you. Also with you, Anne.